Today's message was recorded live at the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church of Louisville, Kentucky, a safe environment where people relationships become kingdom relationships. Find us online at www.friendlychurch.com. So, you and I, can we get along with that video? In 2020, today, November 21st, 2020, the year of our Lord. What can you praise God for? What can you and I praise God for today? And who can you praise God for? Think about these two questions. What can you praise God for today? And who can you praise God for today? Title of my sermon today, Things to Praise God For. It is the third and the last of the three in this praise series. We learned, uh, we learned the principle of praise two weekends ago. And you can go on our YouTube channel and find that there. We learned the, the benefits of praise last Sabbath, last sermon. And today we're going to get down to the nitty-gritty. We're going together. We're going to make a list of what and who are we thankful for. But before we start making that list, let us ask God to guide us through this process. And let's bow our heads and pray once again. Gracious Father, as that video played there, I could just remember the things that, yes, times may not be as I wanted them to be, but I still have things to be grateful for. I still have things that I can praise you for, and I still have people in my life that I can praise you for, and for that I'm grateful. Lord, these days when we struggle with things, Lord, with how to balance, how to have faith and how to have common sense and how to have respect for our governing authorities, Lord, we pray that you will guide us to realize that there are things to, be, to praise you for today. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First, let's look at what can we praise God for. And I will suggest some things, and you can add to the list. Obviously, you can customize your list the way you want it. And uh, by the way, we can't do these things these days, but I really wanted to have you write, to have like a bulletin insert to give it out. Well, we can't do that. You can do it on your phones. You know, you have a notes app. Write it in your note app. You can do it there. You can develop this list in there. Let's start with this book right here. What is this? The Bible. We call it the Word of God, right? Because of God's love for humankind, 
He spoke his word through his prophets and preserved it down the centuries. The Bible is not simply the words of men. No, for prophecy came, never came by the will of men, but holy men of God, the prophets, spoke and wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. I'm not sure if we realize it or not. The truth is that the very power of God is found in this book right here, in His Word. Book Education, page 126. The creative energy that called the worlds into existence is in the Word of God. This word imparts power, it begets life. Every command is a promise accepted by the will, received into the soul. It brings with it the life of the infinite one. It transforms the nature and recreates the soul in the image of God. The power that is in the word of God, that's the power. In the Word of God, there is power in the Word. For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's Hebrews 4, verse 12. Paul called the Word of God... The sword of the Spirit in Ephesians 6.17. Pastor Dennis Smith says, God's word is so powerful that when spoken in faith, it drives Satan away. Did you know that? And it's true. How do we know it's true? Well, that's exactly how Jesus overcame Satan's temptations, right? He spoke against any temptation that was thrown his way. It is written, Jesus said, and then he quote. He quote the word. Ellen White counsels, when Satan comes in like a flood, we must meet his temptations with the sword of the Spirit, and Jesus will be our helper, and Jesus will lift up for us a standard against him, against Satan. The father of lies, Satan, quakes and trembles when the truth of God is thrown in his face. Because there is power in the word of God. Praise God for his word. One thing to pray for, to praise for, right? One thing to praise for. And here are a few reasons among many for praising God for His Word, for the Bible. In the Bible, we find power to overcome every temptation of Satan. Every temptation that comes our way, there is power to overcome those temptations. It's also a faith builder. Through the Word of God, we develop and strengthen our faith. Paul in Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? 
By the Word of God. We can't have faith without the Word of God. If we don't hear the Word of God. And I tell you, it's power in the Word. Conversion takes place when the Word of God is sown into the heart and the Holy Spirit brings it to life. It also helps us to grow spiritually. 2 Peter 1, 4 says, By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these, through the promises in the Word, you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. It is what, and, and Paul is talking about all form of lust. It's what makes us stumble Breaking the ninth commandment, thou shalt not covet. Covetousness. The craving for what's not ours, for what's not healthy. When we have the Word of God in us, through the promises of God's Word, the divine nature dwells in us, which enables us to have victory over the enticements of sin. This is why daily study of the Bible is absolutely essential for us to maintain our relationship with Jesus and to be empowered to live a Christian life. So praise God for His Word and praise Him for His guidance. David said in Psalm 25 verses 4 and 5, Show me your ways, O Lord, Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. Even though David had the word of God, he realized he needed God's instruction concerning its application, the application for his life. That's why he asked God for a revelation of himself. See, revelation and instruction or information, are two different things. Revelation and information are two different things. There is much information in the Word of God. However, knowing information is not enough. We need to hear God's application of His Word in our life. And when we truly hear God's instruction, it becomes a revelation of His will and we're then strengthened to carry out His will. There are two things we must know about God's guidance. Number one, we absolutely need it. If you read the book of Acts, you will agree with me that Christians absolutely need God's guidance. That's something to be grateful for. Remember, they, Paul and Silas, they were about to go to Asia, but the Spirit said no. And then they were about, uh, about to, to preach the gospel in Bithynia, but the Spirit said no again. And then the Spirit gave Paul a vision indicating that they should go to Macedonia, and they followed God's guidance, and through His Spirit, they preached there. Second thing about God's guidance is the only true source of wisdom. We are to be constantly looking to God to direct all our paths in life, not just our spiritual path. 
everything that we do. And as we enter into waiting on God for guidance, like David said, we are acknowledging that He is the only source of wisdom. Solomon, in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, very familiar with many Christians, this Bible passage. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. As Christians, we, we, we have this constant danger. It's so easy for us to fall back on our flesh in our life. David said, They soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel. You and I are in the same danger. We have God's Word, and we think we know how it applies to us, and we go forward in certain application without waiting on the Lord for direction. We must be careful not to become boastful in ourselves. How many times we made personal decisions in the same manner, and how many times He has proven to be disastrous? I know I did those. <laughs> not once. <clears throat> How many times we made decisions about God's work when we're involved in ministry and later sinned to prove to not be God's blessing? Such decisions can be made in our flesh, not waiting on God for His guidance. We don't have to be confused about God's desire to guide us because He promised. He said, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you shall go. I will guide you with my eye, because the Lord sees the end from the beginning, right? We don't. So that's why God's guidance is the best. I praise God that He has not left us alone to follow on our own thinking and our own plan, on our own plans. Praise God for His guidance today. So today we can praise God for His Word. We can praise God for His guidance, and in His Word, we find the Ten Commandments, right? We find the Ten Commandments. They represent and reflect God's glory, God's character. And due to our sinful nature, many a times we consider God's law restrictive. People tend to obey what best fits their interest and ignore the rest. On the other hand, when God's law is obeyed, it restores the human character back to the image of God. Because the Ten Commandments, God's law, reflects, is a representation of God's character. And it only makes sense. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. How many tablets you see on the screen? Two, right? One is the first law, the other is the second law.
The Ten Commandments reveal in greater detail how we show our love for God, the first four commandments, and how we treat our neighbors with love in loving manner, commandments 5 to 10. Now John wrote in 1 John 2 verses 3 to 5, Now by this we know, by this we know, that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him or her. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. But I tell you, we cannot even attempt to keep the law in our own power or in our self-will. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit all this half year. We need the Holy Spirit, my friends. When the Holy Spirit writes God's law in our hearts, then a wonderful transformation takes, takes place in our life. The selfish, self, sinful being is transformed into unselfish, loving human beings. We can't do it on our own. Praise God for the Ten Commandments. Have you ever thought how this world will be without the Ten Commandments? Just stop and think. Yeah, right. Who? How would your life be without the Ten Commandments? And in the Ten Commandments, it is there in the Ten Commandments that we find the Sabbath. Praise God for the Sabbath. Amen. When God created mankind, His plan was to have human beings, to have beings, I would say, to, that he could, who could have a close, intimate relationship with Himself. He wanted that. That's why when Adam and Eve were created, they were created in, Adam, in, in God's image. And God did something to enhance that relationship with Him. After completing the creation, the entire creation in six days, God did something special on the seventh day. He made that day different than any other day. Genesis 2, verses 2 and 3. And on the seventh day, God ended His work which He had done, and He rested on the seventh day from all His work which He had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, made it holy in other translations, because in it He rested from all His work which God had created and made. It was the very next day after creation, after man's creation, after creating Adam and Eve. And God wanted it to be a time when He and the human beings could fellowship in a unique way with each other. And at the end of the six days of creation, what did God say? Every day He said it was good. At the end of the sixth day, after he created Eve, by the way, yeah, he said it was very good, right? 
But he didn't say it was holy. Right? He didn't say it was holy. But God set the seventh day apart from all the other days of the week. He set it apart for this fellowship with human beings. And he made it holy. Look at the words of the the fourth commandment as it reflects the words of Genesis 2 and 3. Exodus 2 verses 8 to 11. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals or any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days, this is Genesis 2 and 3, right? For in six days the Lord has made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it what? He made it holy. Wow! No other day of the week is holy. Only the seven-day Sabbath, and that's because it was God's desire to give us free will to do whatever we want for six days. But on the seventh, on the seventh day, He wants us to stop for our benefit and for His benefit. For our benefit, He wants us to stop and rest. My friends, we were not created. We're not designed to work nonstop. We're not machines or robots. We need rest. And while we're resting, God wants to connect with us in a very intimate way. The Sabbath day was set apart for us to connect with God and with each other. That's why we come to church on the seven-day Sabbath. Yes, we can connect with God other days, and yes, we can connect with each other other days of the week or throughout the week, but there is one day that He set apart, and God set it apart at creation. And then He made sure to include it in the Ten Commandments. And here is why. And when he included it in the Ten Commandments, he used the word remember. Remember, indicating that the Sabbath was observed before, but his people have forgotten it. And God said, remember that this is the only day that is holy. This is the only day of the week, of your week, that is holy. In fact, if you look at the Ten Commandments, if you were to do a word search, you would find that the, whole, the word holy is found only in the Fourth Commandment. And the Bible is teaching us that God is holy and He wants us to be holy. It is the fourth commandment that makes all ten of them holy. And it is by observing the Sabbath that we connect with a holy God at an intimate level and we become holy. So, 
praise God for the Holy Sabbath, isn't it? So what can we praise God for? Praise Him for His Word, the Bible. Praise Him for His guidance. Praise Him for His law. And praise Him for the Sabbath. And you can add more to your 2020 list of what you can praise God for today. Yes, you can. I'm sure you can have a lot of other what's. What you can praise God for. And now, who can we praise God for? I would say the first one to praise God is God himself, right? (laughs) See, if we trust this book right here, the first sentence, it tells us, it tells us about God, something about God. There is none like him. Why? In the beginning, God. Genesis 1, verse 1. God is from the beginning. We can't even comprehend that beginning, right? But the Bible is telling us that God is. God was before the beginning of this world because He created all we see. Animate and inanimate things. And after He created us, after He created us human beings, and after we have fallen into sin, God loved us so much that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Praise God for the Father who loves us so much that He gave us His only begotten Son. And praise God for giving us a Savior. Praise God for Jesus. Praise God for our Savior, Jesus Christ. He was one with the Father. But He humbled Himself and came into this world like one of us. He was a babe in Bethlehem. He, he, He was a child in Nazareth. He was tempted as we are. Yet without sin, he suffered and died for you and me. And he's resurrected. He's alive. And he's in the heavenly sanctuary as a high priest. As the book of Hebrews describes him. As a high priest mediating before the Father with his own blood. He's mediating for you and me. And he promised. He promised that he's coming back to take us with him. So that where he is, we will be also. So praise God for Jesus. My friends, without Jesus, all is lost. Without Jesus, we have no. Without Jesus, no prayer is heard. Because he himself asked us to pray to the Father in his name. Praise God for Jesus. And praise God for the Holy Spirit. Jesus was born of the Spirit. And then Jesus was baptized in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit has three important words in the life, in, in the life of the Christian. The first work is to guide us into the truth of God's Word. And thus to bring about the conversion of the heart. It is the Holy Spirit who brings about the born-again experience 
No one would ever accept Christ as their Savior without the Holy Spirit's convicting power. And then there's the second, second work of the Spirit. It's the deeper experience in the Spirit that we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When we ask God to fill us with His Spirit, our life produces the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and faith. It's not us who produce, who can produce such qualities in a Christian life. It's only through being filled with God's Spirit. And then Prophet Joel talks about a third work of the Spirit. The third, more powerful experience in the Spirit just before Jesus returns. And this greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit he calls the latter rain. You'll find it in Joel 2, Joel 2, 23. Every Christian should be extremely thankful to God for the Holy Spirit. It's because of the Holy Spirit that we are Christian today. It is because of the Holy Spirit that we can have Jesus in us and through us these days. And it is because of the Holy Spirit in us that we can be faithful to Jesus, that we can be witnesses for Jesus, and that we can live victoriously through the times of trouble. And it's only due to the Holy Spirit, baptism, and the outpouring of the latter rain that we will be ready for Jesus when He comes. I'd say, praise God for the Holy Spirit and praise God for angels. You know, our words invite holy angels or evil angels to be with us. Well, and of course, as Christians, we only want God's holy angels to be with us. Pastor Dennis Smith, in his book, 40 Days Prayers and Devotions on Praising God, he says this, when we praise God, we actually invite His presence to be with us. Where God is, His holy angels are. Hence, where praise is expressed, God's holy angels are present. Wow. That's a new insight, right? If you desire God's presence and the presence of holy angels, remember to often speak and sing praises to God. It will surround you with the atmosphere of heaven itself. Because holy angels are going to be around you. See, praise not only invites God's presence and holy angels, but praise also drives away evil angels. Ellen White said, His praises seem to drive away the evil angels and fill the place with sweet fragrance. A pastor from Haiti shared how they deal with people uh, in situations of devil possession in someone's life. He said that believers will gather around the individual who is devil-possessed and sing seven hymns of praise 
and read seven psalms of praise. The songs and psalms can be read in any order. They found that this is an effective method of forcing the evil spirits to leave. Wow. When I read that story, I was like, that's interesting. Because I believe this is an effective means for any Christian, for you and me, to use whenever we find ourselves harassed, harassed by Satan. And I want to put on the, on the screen the seven psalms that he listed. Uh, these uh, seven Scripture passages drive away Satan's dark influence in your life and bring in the holy angels. It's Psalm 34, Psalm 46, Psalm 91, Psalm 103, Psalm 142, Psalm 144, Psalm 145, and Psalm 146. So, to review, who do we praise God for? God himself, the Father. We praise God for Jesus. We praise God for the Holy Spirit. And we praise God for holy angels. And we praise God for his church. Enfibbled and defective as it may appear. The church is the one object upon which God bestows in a special sense His supreme regard. It is the theater of grace in which He delights to reveal His power to transform hearts. I like that phrase. The church, the theater of grace. Wow! God's grace displayed. You know, when God created Adam, he said, It is not good that the man should be alone. Genesis 2.18. And then he created Eve. And neither Adam nor Eve was created to live an isolated life, separate, separated from human companionship. The same principle applies for the Christian life. God does not call you and me, God does not call men and women to become Christians and live lives separate from one another. Christian fellowship is absolutely essential for the Christian to grow in grace. Because see, Ellen White says, going back to that slide, is the theater of grace. That's where the church is a fellowship where members are understood and prayed for as needs arise. God knew the individual Christian could not survive very long spiritually in this world without having meaningful fellowship with other Christians. I would say, you can paraphrase this, is not good for the Christian to be alone. Praise God for the church. And church is not a building. Church is the people. Church is made up of believers. Church is whatever God's people are. Praise God for our fellow believers. I want, as I said, I want you to complete this list. And this is very important. I want you to take a few moments 
as we end this service to write down or type down the names of those you praise God for today. Who do you praise God for? I know you praise God for Jesus, you praise God for Himself, for the Holy Spirit, for the holy angels, but here on earth, God put people in your life, God put people in my life who blessed you or fellowship with you this year. Truth is, we don't live life in a vacuum. I know COVID-19 wants to change that because that's Satan behind it all. But we can't live life separate and isolated from other human beings. Who can you praise God for this morning? Write down those names and send them a thank you card this week. It is the week of Thanksgiving. Send those people a thank you card praising God for them. And continue to think of who you can praise God for this week as we sing our closing song.